In improvisational theater, there is an adage that says, make your partner look good. In leadership and business relationships, this means you can make personal interactions a win-win situation for both you and your colleagues. Welcome to Partner Up with Amy Carroll, speaking with guests and listeners like you. Amy uses her wisdom and wit leading you along the road to success. Now, here is your host, Amy Carroll. Welcome, everyone, to Partner Up with Amy Carroll. As a communication coach, trainer, speaker, and author, I'm delighted to be your host and excited to bring you insights and ideas to help you solve your communication conundrums. This is the 13th episode of my show, Partner Up with Amy Carroll. If you want to find out more about me or what the show's about, feel free to listen to previous episodes on my website, carolcoaching.com, or the voiceamerica.com business channel, and be sure to download the app. If you missed last week's show, which was a Friday of Thanksgiving, it was a repeat of my very first show featuring my good friend, Karen Che, who got me to reveal some of my many communication disasters, my aha moment, and how I somehow managed to become an international communication coach, trainer, speaker, and author. Today, my guest is Faye Witzevin. Welcome, Faye. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Yeah, good to have you on. And let me give you listeners a bit of background on Faye. As you may have already noticed, she has a gorgeous English accent, and she grew up in Manchester, England, and then um, immediately became an exchange student in South Carolina. What, you were about 18 then, Faye? Yes, I was 18. Yeah, that's such a great age. You know, you just got your act together just enough to explore the world. Well, actually, I was 20. I'd had two years at uni in England. A shout out to Hull University on the windy (laughs) east coast of the UK. And uh, yeah, I had had two years there. And so I was 20 when I went to the States. Not not legal enough to have a a drink in a bar, but uh, I still managed to have a good time. Good point. Now, you found that that experience really exposed you to the joy of living and working with people from different nationalities and cultures. I am so curious to know what you remember most about that experience. Yeah, um, I mean, it was a huge adventure. It was it was loads and loads of stories. I could talk the whole the whole time about it, but I'm not going to because that's not the topic. <laughs> Some of them may be illegal, or <laughs> but um, no. The longer I was there, the more I saw and experienced the differences between Brits and Americans. Just because we speak English, it does not mean to say that we are the same. And that you know, it, it took a few months for me to realize. Wow, there are some there are some huge cultural differences. Uh, between Americans and especially Southern state Americans and, uh, and Brits, you know. And, of course, then you've got the African-American culture too, which, is, which was new for me. So, uh, yeah, uh-huh. it, was a, it was a year of eye-opening discoveries, and uh, I really, really had a fantastic time. Yeah, so, was- you know, when you were speaking about the similarities, it's funny because one of the things we're going to be talking about later on is the risk of the challenge with making assumptions and presumptions. And that sounds like that's what you did. Naively, you went over not expecting things to be radically different. Same thing happened to me. I was 32 (laughs) and moved to Switzerland. And I think because I had been to Europe before, because I assumed that Europe and North America were similar enough, it wouldn't be a big deal. Oh boy, was I wrong. Yeah. 
you know, even just like one thing, I don't know if you've noticed this in Switzerland or if you do this in the UK. I don't think you guys do it in the UK. One of the things I noticed about my Swiss friends was that they would call a business, like let's say a, a hotel or a, um, a shop or somewhere where they're not going to be building any kind of relationship with these people. And they would present themselves. Like I would, person would ring and I'd say, hi, this is Amy Carroll. And I always thought it was just adorable. Isn't that cute that they say their name first? And did you come across that when you moved here? Yeah, absolutely. And still, whenever you phone uh, anywhere in, in Switzerland, even if you phone the doctor, they would say their name. And then when they say, the other thing that I find um, tricky is when they say goodbye, they repeat your name. Even if it's the first time they've ever spoken to you, they've remembered uh, your name. Uh-huh. This is at least in the Swiss-German side. Okay. And they say, oh, Auf Wiederhören, Frau Wittewien. And I'm scrambling for their name to be <laughs> right. equally polite because okay. yeah. I haven't caught it quite in the beginning. Well, it's interesting you said that you point that out about using names and how that is a form of showing respect and being polite. And what would happen when one time I called a it, it may have been a, a the dentist or someone. And I said, you know, hi, good afternoon. Um, I was wondering if I could make an appointment. She said, oh, yes. Hello, Miss Carol. And I was like, Amazed. I'm like, oh my gosh, you remember my name? Is it, and I jokingly say, is it my accent in French? She said, no, you just never present yourself. And I went, ah, 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 ah. <laughs> wow. So you're the lady that never presents herself. <laughs> yeah. like, I know who you are. <laughs> right? You know, so boy, the, after that point, I was like, yep, gonna use my name from now on. <laughs> yes, there's been many, many learnings along the way. Mm. I've been here 14 years and there's lots of learnings. Now, after your experience in South Carolina, you also then took a couple of years where you backpacked around Australia, New Zealand, Southeast Asia, and India. That must have been extraordinary. Yeah, it started as a one year, and I loved it so much it turned into two. Yeah, it was, it was incredible. It was life, you know, life-changing and set me up, I suppose, yeah. uh, for, for life living abroad going forward. And I loved I, it. I absolutely loved it. Here's my question. You say it was life-changing. You know that now, many years later. At what point, or do you even realize that you became a different person? When do you think that happened? Was it during the trip or when you came back to your home environment? No, it was during too. It was such a long time mm. that I was away. And one of, when I say I loved it, I did. But of course, there were moments in those two years where I was down and it was difficult. I was on a very, very small budget. And I was working from place to place as I traveled. And I remember being, um, I think it was in Cairns in uh, eastern Australia, northeastern Australia, and it was New Year's Eve, and I was really, really homesick. Mm. I had a moment of just being incredibly homesick and feeling rootless. And um, I think, even though I loved it so much, it, it, it taught me that I want to be rooted. I, I need to be in a place where I can, you know, put down roots. And uh-huh. um, and that didn't happen straight away, but it certainly has happened since I moved to Switzerland. Yeah, I've kind of stayed here for a very long time now. <laughs> so I hear what one of the experiences was, it, it helped you to identify a value or something that was important for you that you didn't know about yourself before. Very much so, yes. Yeah. And, and, but the other funny story is, because uh, I lived out, literally lived out of a, a backpack for two years, um, I, um, when I got back, and it was so eye-opening and so interesting and everything was, you know, almost every day was something new. I got back and I said, I am never working in an office. 
I'm going to not become, you know, not sort of go back to what I was doing before in advertising for a couple of years. And, and I'm not going to work in office. <laughs> but then about six months later, broke, living with my parents. The job came up at Reuters in Manchester, and that was it. (laughs) Yeah, never say never. Never say never. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Right. So then you spent six years in between Manchester and London working at Reuters, and then after that was when you got offered the job in Geneva, right? Yeah, I got offered a a two-year assignment in Geneva that turned into five, Mm -hmm. (laughs) that turned into eleven in total, working for for what became Thomson Reuters. Yeah, it was. yeah, it was again fantastic opportunity, and, it was, and that was where you were. To, uh, you became a talent development director. Yes, eventually moving, mm-hmm. working my way up, mm-hmm. um, doing different things in learning development and different all people oriented roles, which I love. And um, yeah, I uh, I just couldn't say no. I had actually just met my um, husband to be in London. We'd had a couple of dates, and then my boss said, Do "You want to go to." Geneva and um I uh yeah I said yes <laughs> did you like invite him to Geneva for the next date so I've got an idea for the next <laughs> pretty much pretty much and he was very happy he's from Holland and so it was for him back on the continent away from the island and um he came we saw each other very very frequently and he loved the ski season so uh yeah we was it, it was a it was a really good call uh, very well supported by my my boyfriend really at the time wow that's impressive yeah and so I couldn't say no because it was so such an exciting opportunity and then the the Geneva office was probably the most multicultural and multinational uh, office in in Europe it was um if not if not the world to be honest there were about 30 to 40 different nationalities something like 20 plus um languages spoken and it was just a hotbed of um, culture and it was super exciting so I really wanted to do it yeah that's fantastic and I remember because that's when you and I met was when you were in Geneva was something like 10 years ago yeah that's right in about 2010-11 wasn't it mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. On, on a workshop yeah I did the the predator prey partner workshop on leadership presence so what was what do you remember from that experience yeah, casting my dusty mind back uh, <laughs> 10 years. No, actually, what I really do remember is that you were a breath of fresh air coming into the, coming into the office. And um, you being American, uh, I was very drawn to you, having mm. obviously done my degree in American studies and loving uh, finding American people in America fascinating. So that was a first uh, great thing. But going sort of to the actual contents of the workshop, I remember the stories you used to illustrate the predator-prey partner model and, um, you know, how you, bought, how you bought really your own stories into the training, which I think was quite novel back then. I hadn't uh, been to lots of training on skills, you know, and, um, uh, which it is, but it was, yours was much more rich. You brought it to life with your, with your uh, confessionals, shall we call them. <laughs> I should just do a workshop on Amy's confessionals. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it was also sort of um, a reminder for me of, of just how, how I communicate and how to communicate to get even better results. Mm. So I had done some uh, neuro-linguistic programming um, course in London in 2006. And then uh, your, your workshop again reminded me of one of the things that stuck with me so strongly from NLP, which is... Um, Everyone has a positive intent. You know, people don't set out basically to sabotage other people. 
but it happens right. and uh, often it's because of how we have interpret what yes. they uh, what they have said or their behavior yeah. So, yeah it was really nice to have that reminder about four years later uh, as well as all the other things um, as well that came up so yeah mm-hmm. I remember it very well and oh, I remember the cool. book that you gave to us the ego tango and I read it yeah that was uh and that's funny because when you were speaking one of the things that one of the stories is making up another story why someone is being difficult exactly. making up a positive intent so mm. that's very interesting to hear the connection between NLP mm, yeah for me yeah. and I still I still do that I still pause before I respond to an email if it's been if it's a bit short or there's a tone to it that is a bit unfamiliar for that person and I just think there's something going on what is it yeah uh, and what is it what's their positive intent yeah because there must be one for them so I want to pause for a moment here before we continue on um, this path we've been discussing about to talk uh, give the audience a little overview of this model of predator prey partner for people who haven't listened to the show in the past so this is a model that my sister Pat Kirkland developed and you guys can check her out at patkirklandleadership.com and so three archetypes the predator, the prey, the partner. Most of the time, we're showing up as partners. Like right now, Faye, you and I, all is well. We've been recently fed and watered, and it's easy to stay partner, where we're holding high respect for ourselves and for the other simultaneously. The problem is under pressure, stress, perceived threat, crisis, COVID, or just if we're hungry, angry, lonely, or tired, we can slip into the predator holding too much respect for herself, not enough for others, the prey holding too much respect for the other, not for themselves. The predator damages relationships. The prey gets mistreated. And the, uh, the additional element, the book that you mentioned, The Ego Tango, is about the mindset. So the external part of the body language, voice, and words is how to look and sound like a partner. The mindset is how to think like a partner. What, do you, what stories are you making up? What are you telling yourself that's either helping you to stay in partner or pulling you out of partner? So if I want to explore just a little bit further this concept of positive intent and making up another story. The, because a lot of times people hear that and they say, well, Amy, aren't you suggesting that you're, you're you know, justifying or defending that person's behavior? Not at all. Mm. The idea is someone does something. I, if I interpret it in a negative way, I'm much more likely to go predator prey. So the idea is, Find another interpretation so that I can get back into partner. So that when I'm from partner, then I may choose to still confront that person or that situation. Mm-hmm. Except I'm going to be more likely to have a successful outcome because I haven't gotten aggressive or whiny with them. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I definitely agree. <laughs> and it works, people. It works. <laughs> <laughs> so, Faye... After our initial meeting 10 years ago, we then got to reconnect because you have since moved to Zurich. So um, let's talk about what you're doing now at Advance because Advance is an amazing organization and um, you and I just reconnected a few months back. Yeah, we did. And it was a joy to see you on the list of our coaches who help deliver our um, our skill building workshops. It was a joy. I was like, Amy Carroll, <laughs> I know you. Uh, so I was super happy to see that. And um, yeah, so I um, I began working there in April last, well, this year, it feels like last year, but this year. 
and my role is a, as a program manager managing a couple of the pillars uh, which I can explain but what I love about advance is again um, I find myself in a multicultural environment there are only seven of us we're a very small tight team and six of and there are six nationalities in that team of seven that's amazing <laughs> yeah so it's, a, it's sort of a following my pattern of working with and being drawn to work with um, different cultures and different and different nationalities that mm-hmm. adds, I think it's it's very good it's obviously it has its um uh its challenges around communication so I'm very thankful to have uh, been on your uh, your workshops that you've delivered for us the art of presenting virtually and if you recall um even before that you did a connect advance webinar yeah, for us. we had like 260 people I think yes it was, was on top of conflict wasn't it it was all about yes how, and it was perfect timing because that was when lockdown had uh, had begun and you and other coaches were offering us your time gratis to um, to deliver these webinars in support of this huge change that we'd all been put into working from home a lot of not everyone but a lot of people and the challenges that that brought and you kept us and other coaches kept us sane <laughs> in those times so thank you very much for that that was a, it was a great reconnection yeah um again when uh, with advance yeah let me explain advance so it's a um there's four pillars of activity if i remember correctly yeah that's right and we're all focused around gender equality that's mm. what we're trying to do we are a um membership association and we started about seven years ago with just 10 companies. And we've grown in seven years to 113. Really? Yeah, it's a really big growth. It just shows, I think, how companies want and want and need to change the gender equality within their businesses. There's a and, desire and for it. Let me ask, are those 113 companies all Swiss-based? It's all Swiss-based companies, yes. Could somebody join who wasn't from Switzerland? You mean... Personally or company, company-wise, no, they have to be located in Switzerland. Okay, and um, that's that's the difference about our organisation. We are cross-company. Um, actually, we're all about partnering up. If you think about it, uh, in the not not-for-profit way, we we bring uh, these member companies together, and they learn and they share and they exchange through the, these four pillars that we offer: uh, skill building, um, cross-company mentoring program. Um, role model events with inspirational people, and then we have another pillar around um, how's, how is DNI in the workplace? How's it going to look? How's it going to change? Which HR professionals can join? And it's all about sharing and working together, really partnering to see change happen in in Switzerland, which we know needs to change. Yeah. And actually, on that, the the um, I'm on, I feel like I'm on my uh, platform here, my soapbox. Uh, I'll <laughs> Go get for off it. it. I'll get off in a minute. Um, we have um, a campaign called Let's Change the Face of Swiss Leadership, and it's a, a media and um, LinkedIn campaign. Basically, I'll give you the, the one-liner. Of the um, Swiss um, market index, the extent, expanded Swiss market index, the 50 companies that are in that, only one has a female CEO. And we have Amazing. a really, really neat campaign on LinkedIn. I encourage you to go and look, look for us. We advance um, on LinkedIn and uh, yeah, and support us if you all uh, would like to would like to do that or make a comment because it's quite shocking when you see the 10 second videos. It's very visual. Yes. Way, way to bring that message home. So, yeah. yeah, yeah, it's a very powerful video. And when you say uh, to support you and also people, although they may not be members, they can still join. Um, yes. some of the online courses. 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, you can sign up for our newsletter and then you'll be informed about what we, what we talked about, the Connect Advance workshops, um, which we offer uh, to members and non-members. Your company does not need to be uh, a member of Advance. And yeah, you can come and, and learn pearls of wisdom from people like uh, you, Amy. <laughs> cool. So, Faye, uh, combining a year-long study in coaching, starting a new job on the eve of lockdown, homeschooling your lovely children, and your family recently having lived through getting the coronavirus, I think it's safe to say this has certainly put your partner mindset to the test and your partner behaviors. Yes. And I probably just should get it out there. I've probably been more in partner mindset with my uh, work and my job than I have with my uh, family to some extent. Um, You are not alone. That's very common. And even for me, this is a a true confession. Um, Don't think I mentioned this because I don't think I even, did I know it 10 years ago? 20, maybe. I started dating a guy. Yes, it was because I started dating this guy. I started my business in 2000. Started dating a guy in 2006. And after a couple of Amy explosions, he very gently said to me, no, honey, when you do that yelling thing, it doesn't work for me. I mean, he couldn't have been more partner if he tried. I was just, my jaw dropped. And I also thought, uh-oh, I got, the message was very clear to me, which was, girlfriend, you better get your act together because I'm not going to put up with this for much longer. You know, you've got a grace period. It's a small window. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I was really scared because, Faye, I, here I was already preaching this professionally I would, you know, do with family, friends, though, when we came to partners, I would, I had a predator edge that I hadn't fully gotten rid of. Mm. And I did not have the confidence that I could fix this. Mm. I sure as heck was motivated. (laughs) Yeah. I technically knew what to do. And amazingly, that's all I had to do. And I'll share you one, one short story. So one night, um, he was in the living room, and I was in the kitchen, and I, was, I had a spatula in my hand, and I was really mad about something. I don't know what. And I knew I had this. My inner predator was just boiling up to the surface, and I wanted to go in there and just. And I took a deep breath, and I walked in the living room, and I said, sweetheart, you know, when you blah, blah, whatever I said, when you blah, 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 I'm very frustrated because of blah, 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 blah. And he immediately, he looked at me, he listened. He said, thank you, for, thank you for telling me, sweetheart. And I said, you're welcome. And then I turned around and went back into the kitchen and made dinner happily. And I was like, that's it? So, so it's not that we don't get to be angry. It's not that we don't get to express our anger. He could see that I was containing it and, and, and being responsible for it and not unleashing on him and exploding. Yeah. And, and so all, you know, I just kept working on myself and I got to that point and it's got, it gets better as well. So I can say that, um, yeah, that that it is possible for us to bring this into our most important relationships. Thank you. I shall remember your story and try and, uh, try and embody it. Yeah. Just watch out for the spatula. I I favor the wooden spoon, to be honest. (laughs) (laughs) 
So, Faye, I want to jump into uh, a story which talks just about this, about you and your partner. Um, and we're going to start the story, and then we may pause for a break and then pick it up for, after the break. So, um, this was something you said that happened, like, just like four weeks into the lockdown in the spring around, or it was Easter weekend, if I remember correctly. Yes, a great, great, a great timing, wasn't it? It's a family, a family, a little family holiday. We didn't go anywhere, obviously, but uh, yeah, it was, I think after four weeks, it had reached, um, I'd reached a kind of moment of, uh, yeah, what happened. <laughs> Do you want me to tell you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's hear the gory details. Okay. Uh, so my only outlook was sort of walking in the woods or jogging in the woods. And I had made a commitment to do that three times a week. And it got to Easter Saturday and I hadn't done it. I was very obviously busy with a new job and homeschooling and everything. And, um, and so I was desperate pretty much to, to get out and have some time on my own and movement. And so woke up Saturday morning, walked into the breakfast room and see my husband in his gym kit, his running kit. And, and he walked in his own. For, for the Americans, kit means uh, running, running clothes. Yeah. Uh, uh, I walk into the a room, see him, and uh, just to look at him. He goes, oh, I'm going for a run. The children were there, so the language had to be, had to be controlled. <laughs> but you can imagine, um, I, was, I was really, really instantly frustrated and um, sort of shocked in a way that my plans... I'd had in, you know, my plans that I was going to do this looked like they were going to be scuppered. And so mm-hmm. I um, basically ran to the bedroom, threw on my gym kit and ran out of the door. No, you didn't. <laughs> I'm faster than you are. Yep. That was pretty much what it was um, around. And there was some shouting going on around me. Um, yeah. So uh, that was that was the uh, Easter Saturday um, story of uh, how I went into predator mode. Ouch. Ouch. Yeah. So um, when we get back from break, we're going to pull this apart and, and analyze it, the good, the bad, the ugly. <laughs> Great. <laughs> <laughs> and we're going to see what we can learn from that. Now, before we go to break, if you want to check out more about Faye and Advance, go to the website, weadvance.ch, or check them out on LinkedIn go to company we advance. And when we come back, we'll dive into more details. And then I'm going to be sharing an email I got from a past participant, chock full of successes. You're listening to Partner Up on the Voice America Business Channel. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit facebook.com forward slash voice America. Do you have colleagues, family members, or neighbors that just drive you crazy sometimes? Do you occasionally find yourself feeling disrespected, mistreated, or annoyed by others? As a no-nonsense communication coach, trainer, speaker, and author, Amy Carroll may have a solution for you. For over 35 years, Amy has studied status and power dynamics, what sabotages relationships, results, and how to get desired outcomes in business and personal interactions. Make Your Partner Look Good is a philosophy from improvisational theater, as well as Amy's favorite mantra. For the last 20 years, she has been using her superhero powers to inspire individuals and multinationals around the globe to transform their communication and tap into their own partner powers. With concrete behavior changes in voice, 
body language, words, and attitude. Amy shows clients what to keep and what to change to get more out of what you want more often with less hassle. Visit carolcoaching.com today. That's C-A-R-R-O-L-L coaching.com. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. You are listening to Partner Up with Amy Carroll. We want participation from you. Send an email with questions or comments or to share your own interpersonal communication dilemmas to amy at carolcoaching.com. That's amy at carolcoaching.com. Now, back to Partner Up with Amy Carroll. Here again is Amy. Welcome back to Partner Up with Amy Carroll. I'm here with Faye Witteveen, and we're talking about the challenges of staying partner with your partner, especially when things have gone awry. So, Faye, let's pick it up. You, you've dashed out of the house. You've left your husband with the kids. You've had your run, which I'm kind of guessing wasn't as fulfilling as you had hoped it would be. No, I wasn't as relaxed as I was hope, yeah, hoping to be as I, when I woke up, as I sort of was setting out to be. No, I didn't feel great. I knew, I knew I'd behaved badly. <laughs> yeah. So there's that, like, and then probably all your brain energy was thinking about that the whole time you were running instead of enjoying the outdoors and decompressing. Yeah. It was actually thinking, shall I go home or not? <laughs> oh gosh. Okay. So now let's, oh, oh at all, you mean? Well, maybe it's <laughs> Should some I just point. keep running like Forrest Gump? <laughs> Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, a little bit like that. So let's imagine now, well, not even imagine, walk us through it now. You get back home and then what happens next? Yeah, um, I walk in and I I know that I have to apologize. Um, There's no point in me holding a grudge (laughs) for my behavior. That's not going to be a very quiet Easter weekend otherwise. Yeah, that's not going to move this along. (laughs) So I did apologize to my husband and... um, I did it in front of the kids because it's uh, good for them to see uh, that we can fight and we can make up. Very cool. Mm. Yeah, we and have a thing where we try and do that. If we know we've really messed up in front of our children to yeah. each other, we, we publicly apologize. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's very challenging. It's, it's difficult to do, but it, it does really make a big difference to the um, equilibrium in the house, you know, the harmony in the house and the happiness in the house. And so uh, it's, and how did your husband receive it? Really well. Yeah, he took it well. He, wow. he doesn't, he doesn't hold grudges. He, he sort of t- told me many years ago to, um, to let's not, uh, let's not hold a grudge. Let's apologize and mean it, obviously not just for the sake of it, but really mean mm-hmm. it because we can then enjoy ourselves more. Life's too short mm-hmm. to, um, to not uh, move, mm-hmm. move on. You know, uh, there's something I, I often think about this term, uh, gaslighting. And I sometimes think that sometimes, and I, I've i been guilty of gaslighting others. I have been the recipient of gaslighting. Can you tell me what that means exactly? I've heard it and seen it, but yeah. I haven't really ever properly understood the Sure, term. sure. 
So it, it's interesting. It comes originally from a film from 1944 with Ingrid Bergman. Mm-hmm. And she plays the wife married to a guy and she has a best friend and the best friend, this other woman and the guy either are want to have an affair or they're already having an affair. And so they decide that they're going to do things to make the wife think she's crazy. Uh, in, yeah, right. Yeah. I, I, I've yet to see the film, though. The plot is quite um, fascinating to me. And one example is they're in the living room, it's evening time, and suddenly all the lights go out. And so the wife naturally says, oh, what, what happened to the lights? And they look at her, they look at each other and said, what are you talking about? The lights are on. God, that's the ultimate in send, <laughs> trying to send someone crazy, yeah. Right. So um, this comes from, essentially, when people use the term gaslighting, the way I understand it is you're... I think we sometimes do it, do it to avoid giving bad news. Sometimes we don't want to deal with someone else's anger or disappointment. Um, and my friend calls it the denial devil. You know, we're like, what? what? Nothing's wrong. No, I'm fine. Yes. Being a little bit passive aggressive. So I'm wondering if at any point you were tempted to step into those gaslighting, like, what, honey? Oh, I'm done with my run. You can go now. I'm, everything's fine. Um, tempted for about a second, but knowing it won't fly. It just it wouldn't fly and it wouldn't get us to the point of, you know, moving forward. It would just be another probably uh, argument. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, me, well done. Me fueling the fire. <laughs> right, right. But what? <laughs> yeah. So here's an example of um, something that I remember almost slipping into gaslighting someone else. I was a participant in a week-long retreat where another participant and I were talking about planning a social outing together, just the two of us. And then a third participant nearby overheard us and asked if she could join. Now, Faye, I immediately said yes, because I was way too uncomfortable to say no right in the moment. Though, as the day progressed, I realized I was getting more and more resentful and frustrated because I hadn't been brave enough to say no to this third woman. And so I noticed where my brain was going. And I was really tempted to make up some excuse or some story why she couldn't join us, or that our plans had suddenly changed. <laughs> you know, that's to me is like a classic gaslighting. Yeah. Like, oh no, everything's fine. No, it's not. We just not that we didn't want to go with you. No. And that's when I realized, girl, Amy, you have got to put on your big girl pants. <laughs> so I took a deep breath and thought about it, and thought about how I could tell this woman no while while doing it being clear and kind and honest. And so the next day after breakfast, after we'd both been fed and watered, I asked her if she had a few minutes to speak. And to prepare her, I told her, I said, listen, there's something I'd like to tell you about that might be uncomfortable or difficult to hear. Then I explained that I had originally said yes to her about her joining us because I didn't want her to feel excluded, which was true. I also said that I was really looking forward to spending the time with the other woman, just the two of us. And after I explained that to her, she started to cry. So, and that to me, you know, I understood that. It's, it's a form of, you know, she chose to feel rejected and I get that. And that's exactly why I didn't say no in the day before. Mm. So I stayed there while she cried and just, you know, waited for her to move through it. And finally, when she spoke, she said to me, thank you for being honest. I really appreciate it. 
I was so relieved, Faye, because, you know, I was concerned that she was going to be upset or angry at me. And, you know, even though she was probably sad, disappointed, there was an honoring of her that she could see that speaking my truth, even though it was hard for her to hear, was a form of respect. Mm, Definitely. I was so proud of myself that I could be clear and kind in my communication. Yes, I can, I can I think it's best to be, best to be truthful. Except in the moment, it's yeah. sometimes so hard for us. Well, we go back to our old patterns, don't we? Very, you know, quite quickly we can slip back. Uh, unless we go ahead. take a pause, unless we take a pause, right? Yeah. And, and really think things through. Uh, but it's yeah. very difficult to do that in the, in the split second uh, before yeah. we, we say yes. <laughs> yeah. So now we want to go back because that's a perfect segue back to your story with your husband. You've come home, you acknowledge, you apologize. And I love the thing about doing it in front of your kids to model, we can have conflict and this is how, this is a healthy, uh, respectful way to resolve conflict. And then, you know, it sounded like there was a full cycle because your husband then um, fully forgave you. Yeah, he really did. Yeah. And, and then went for a run <laughs> and then he went out. Oh, good. I'm sure he needed it by then. Yeah. So let's brainstorm, if you're open to it, alternative ways that you could have handled it right in the moment. Because, Faye, like we were saying, it's hard to pause and come up with an alternative in the moment. So what I want to do with you is this brainstorming, let's call it an activity, as a way to potentially create new pathways in your brain, create a visualization that might give you the tools the next time something like this happens where you're under pressure or stress. Yeah. Okay. You call it an activity. I think it's coaching. <laughs> <laughs> that is so true. It is coaching. And I, 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 did I ask fully for your permission? Yes, you have it. Okay, good. Okay, good. <laughs> We've got it recorded, so we're safe. Okay. So um, tell me more about what was going on in your head in the morning when you woke up. And, and yeah, I had my plan. I had my plan. It was my day as well. It's the weekend. And, and my plan was to go out for a run immediately, regardless of what anyone else wanted to do in the family. And I think the critical thing that I sort of omitted was to share that plan. Oops. <laughs> <laughs> to verbalize the plan in my head. <laughs> so that was what led to, you know, me um, rather than being no no way to automatically get into compromise mode or partner mode. And I want to add to that because I think that you, you, the, the irony, and it seems so obvious now, many of us, so this, I'm saying this listen, specifically for listeners, check in to see if this is something you're guilty of. Many of us are guilty of expecting our partners to read our minds. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> of course. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So that was one thing is to realize that you had this expectation in your head, you had, you were attached to a certain outcome and that if you had simply shared it, there would, you may have been able to both go into some uh, kind of solution finding. Yes. Yeah. I, I should imagine if I had not come out and had an outburst when I said, when he said he was going for a run um, and, and instead we kind of said, Oh, I would like to, I would like to go for a run too. Um, how can we make that happen for both of us? Uh, then it certainly wouldn't have escalated the way it did. And then be. if you had, let's play that out a little bit more. So let's say you did have that conversation. What are some solutions that you might've come up with? Cause you've got two young kids. Yeah. Two daughters, seven and nine and um, not yet comfortable being left alone or we don't really want to either. Sure. And um, well, we, we could have taken it in turns 
as he was dressed already, he could have gone first and I could have taken a bit more time putting my kit on. And even though that happened, what would have been very different is your run would have been enjoyable as opposed to the mental yeah. chatter that was happening. Probably. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, the other thing that we could, we could have done is all gone out. Given that we were all in lockdown, we could have all gone for a walk together, not really a run, but some outside fresh air together, which is, which is, and probably since then is more what we've done mm-hmm. than trying to um, be competitive about both of us getting out um, for our individual runs on, on the weekend, at least. Mm-hmm. We can do that when the kids are at school. So mm-hmm. yeah, we, we could have gone out as a family and we all would have benefited then. Right. Now, Faye, one of the things I love to do is um, use humor in these moments. And in retrospect, it's easier, though. Uh, I, when you were telling me the story, I, what played in my mind was, um, you know, him saying, well, I was going to go for a run and me saying, oh, no, you don't, Buster Brown, you know, in sort of this <laughs> playful voice. And or another one would be like um, like a film noir, a film noir or a like using a very conspiratorial, conspiratorial tone. So he you know, you say I'm going you don't say anything. He says, I'm going for a run. And you walk over to him in this low voice and, you know, with the kids a little distance away, you say, so you think if we both sneak out the back door, they'll notice you know, how long before they notice something like that, you know, just a little itty bitty playfulness right in the moment um, to bring lightness to the subject of, Oh, wow. I was thinking of doing the same thing. Yes, um, that would have been more more helpful and more productive. A little like the chi- a chicken dance, you mean, from your book? <laughs> <laughs> well, the chicken dances. Yes, you're right. Even though you're you're, she was using her anger, you know, to deal with, to do this frenetic thing. There was a, a total playfulness about it. She was making fun of herself. Yeah, very yeah. true. Good yeah. example. Yeah, again, hard to do in the moment, but probably right. way more effective. Um, and I do do that with my kids um, to a certain extent when you're trying to get them to do something they don't want to do or they're having a, a strop, as we call it. Um, and uh, yeah, that works well with kids. And I don't see why it couldn't work to lighten the mood with our adult partners and friends. And maybe, Faye, you can use this. There's a term, flip it to test it, that um, Chris, Kristen, I can't remember her last name at the moment. She did a TEDx talk in Basel about um, her, it's actually about bias. So I encourage listeners to check it out. You can type in, flip it to test it. Um, And she talks about, so what you're saying is you're able to use humor and playfulness with your children. Mm. That comes pretty easily. So the next time you're having maybe a conflict or an exchange or a disagreement with your husband, to flip it around, to imagine if this was with my kids, what playful thing could I bring in? And it yeah. might come faster. Yeah, thank you. It, that's a good, a good uh, thing to plant in my brain. Mm. <laughs> and the thing about the humor, Faye, you're so right. It doesn't not come easily in those moments of stress. Uh, it, the thing is, I perceive humor as a muscle that needs to be flexed and practiced in order to be available to us under pressure. I believe in this so strongly that I did an entire show on uh, Partner Up with Amy Carroll. And so if listeners haven't heard it, I would encourage you to go back to listen to the episode on October 16th with Drew Tarvin. 
Uh, we, he, this guy is so committed to humor. His entire business is built on teaching humor and teaching people to, use, to develop their sense of humor in a positive way. And if you don't want to go that far, you can go back to my website and check out an article I wrote, The ROI of Humor, which has a very concrete, systematic way to help people develop their sense of humor. Now, you and I both talk about um, sarcasm being a little bit dicey. I know we've talked about that yeah, in the past. Yeah, especially when you live abroad. You know, that's a, that was a learn early on as well. This sort of irony or edging towards sarcasm that is quite prevalent in the UK and understood isn't so well understood, of course, by um, uh, many other nationalities. Yeah. <laughs> so I, it's, that's a slippery slope, really, to go down the sarcasm route. But humor works really well. I'm fine with using humor um, comes quite naturally in a work scenario and uh, I'm with my kids. But uh, yeah, in the heat of the moment, it's, uh, it's hard to, um, can be hard to, to tap into. So I'm going to have I to want- flip it to test it in my, in Good. my mind. Cool. And I wonder if part of the reason it works in the work environment is maybe you and your colleagues are all holding positive intent for each other. Yes, that's absolutely mm. right. We are. Interesting. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, flip, you know, saying, you know, po- what's the positive intent? What's my husband's positive intent here? Yes. I go back to my NLP roots. <laughs> right. <laughs> cool. Uh, so, Faye, we, the other thing I want to talk about, because you were just saying how we got to build these muscles and doing it in the moment is not reasonable. So here's my recommendation to people. When we've had a situation, what you and I just did, I call it the, um, you know, American football analogy, the, the, what they call the Monday morning quarterback. And the way this works is, as you might know, in the U.S., in the good old days, football was played on Sundays. And then on Monday morning, people would get around, gather around the water cooler or the coffee pot and say, oh, you know, if he had just run this much further and he could have tackled that guy. And, and it, they have this perfect mm. world of how it would have, could have gone. And that is, to me, a form of visualization. So I encourage people to use the Monday morning quarterback approach with any and every failure. So whenever we slip and go predator or prey, to rewind it, to replay it in our mind, say, okay, if I could do that again, how would I do it through the lens of partner? So that's what you and I were just doing now is that we were playing Monday morning quarterback, analyzing the situation, coming up with alternative ideas for how you um, would have ideally handled the situation. And even though you can't go back and change that scenario from Easter weekend, you've created new pathways in your brain going forward. Absolutely, yeah. It's that uh, practice. Is it what you say? The practice for five five minutes in a low stress situation. Ooh, look at you, girl. <laughs> that was right. from the art of presenting virtually. Mm, yeah, <laughs> well done. You know, and another thing. Here's another one around Monday morning quarterback. Another approach, different than humor. For me, I don't know if you use as much is self compassion. Try to, but that is really really tricky. I mean, after a year long coaching certificate I am better at that than I was um, a year ago for sure nice. yeah self-compassion is is really um, a, a muscle to to build and, and listeners might be thinking okay that's great what do you mean by self-compassion well I would encourage people to find out a little bit more about nonviolent communication I know that has kind of a woo-woo title though 
in nonviolent communication, you can get, uh, if you do re- just check it out, some websites, you can get a list of feelings, list of needs. And what you do is the self-compassion in the moment is right when it's happening. So let's do it right now, Faye. Mm-hmm. What, what, um, what feelings were you having right in the moment when your husband said to you, I'm going to go for a run? Uh, I was instantly angry. Um, I was um, felt like my my plan was rejected. You know, rejected. Um, I felt out of control, like a loss of control, and just yeah, upset. I was kind of upset, <laughs> angry, you know, mm-hmm. disappointed. Mm-hmm. Uh, all those things rolled into one in one sort of split second. And of course, it shows up in your body too, right? right. So I was right. uh, puffing, puffing up, I'm sure, and and getting and uh, getting hot, and uh, I'm sure my heart rate increased. So it was somatically um, present as well as yeah. uh, emotionally, probably yeah. more so actually in the somatic than than the emotions. It's hard for me to name my emotions, whereas I can identify the feelings. Yeah, the, it's the actual sensation in the body. Okay. Yeah. That's thank you for that. It's a great coaching from your side is if you can't intellectually identify the feelings or, you know, you don't have that list of feelings in front of you to check off the list, then just notice how you're feeling physically. And then the next piece is um, what needs could you imagine that you had in that moment? Yeah, I needed to be heard. I kind of needed to be mind read, but we know that's not possible. It's not fair to put that on on somebody else if we don't speak our needs. So maybe you need to be understood. Mm, yeah. Mm-hmm. To be heard, uh, understood. Mm-hmm. Be, but I would have needed to vo- verbalize that. No, this is, this is the interest. I mean, ideally, it'd be great. And, and maybe you would have if you were conscious of, oh, this is the need I have. What's a strategy I can do to get my need met? Oh, I can tell my husband. Though just identifying the feelings and identifying the needs, just that alone is mm. often enough to calm us down. True. Yeah. To, to, to self-observe in the moment. Um, yeah, that's true. To recognize how I'm, uh, how I'm feeling, how I'm showing up. Yeah. Before yeah. I open my, before I sort of open my mouth for the rant, if you like. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Again, that's a, that's a practice, isn't it? To, um, to do. And maybe I have a suggestion for Thank how you, you can, you want to hear it? Yeah. Practice doing it with your kids when they're upset or angry or hurt. Say, hey, well, how are you feeling right now? What, what would you like to have happen? What, would, what, what are you needing right now, sweetheart? And just some, I think, because I get, I've gotten better at doing it for myself because I have done it with my clients mm-hmm. and friends. So that might be an option. Yeah, it will be. Thank you. To look at, to look at that. Yeah. Listen, I, I am... I was going to share um, a, a testimonial of a guy who um, was in my training. Unfortunately, we're starting to run out of time. So I'm going to save that for another day. And what I'd like to do is... I'll have to, to tune hear- into that one then to hear okay. it. <laughs> oh, it is amazing. It's a juicy okay. one. Though so what I'd like to hear from you, Faye, is um, how, about the the course that we did this summer on the after the presenting, presenting virtually, virtually. Mm-hmm. yes we did that in synchronicity <laughs> um we had i think three of your colleagues who attended yeah they did we um because we all basically all our events had been in person and then 
everything happened with COVID. And so we had to go online and we had to go online fast. And we had to do um, a lot of what we would have done in person on a, you know, on a platform online. So there was a real need for us all to upskill in talking on Zoom or Teams or whatever it might have been. So, yeah, we had um, three of us attend and uh, it was, I was obviously helping you with it. You so might I, Zoom I learned, Yeah, I, I was, yeah. And I, le- I learned a lot myself. And uh, I know my colleagues um, learned a lot as well. And they're putting into practice what they, what they um, learned. And do you remember some of those things in particular that they yep, um, applied? Absolutely, yeah. The posture is how the posture is really important. Whenever I say that word, I always automatically sit right, up Right, isn't that funny? I think I did too, yeah. <laughs> uh, how important it is. And not just posture, but how your gestures can make um, your words become more powerful. And one mm. colleague is really focusing on the gestures she learned in your workshop. And um, in so doing, in practicing those, she's, she's coming across as more confident because she, and she is more confident. So that's a really, um, a really uh, positive outcome from, from the workshop. And I would add to that, one of the other benefits of using specific gestures when we're presenting is usually we're under stress and it's a way to channel the adrenaline. So I highly encourage that. Hey, Faye, we're starting to uh, wrap up now. Is there anything that you wanted to say uh, in addition about advance or your call for action to listeners? Um, well, yes. I mean, even though we're in Switzerland, as, as our, your listeners know, um, there are things to be learned from advance and what we're trying to do in Switzerland that can be applied to wherever you are in whatever company you're in um, or in whatever business you have. So please do um, tune in. You can sign up for our newsletter and as I said, you can um, uh, join our Connect Advance webinar. Or if you ever move to Switzerland <laughs> with a company, you could, uh, and they're not a member, you could uh, get your company to sign up <laughs> to be a member. You leave no stone unturned. I love that. No stone unturned. Excellent. <laughs> am I in partner mode, though? Or am, I, am I in prey mode? That was total energy. That was, that was high energy partner. I liked it. Okay, good. Thanks, Amy. Then my call for action to listeners is to send me your communication conundrums, clashes, challenges, mishaps, and blunders, and successes via email, amy at carolcoaching.com. That's two R's, two L's, or my social media, Amy Carol Coaching. And I'll read them, discuss them on future shows, perhaps make suggestions. And I want you to be sure to tune in next week when I will be speaking with Jens Fredriksson, who is a former managing director who turned coach And we talk about what he learned about the impact of communication on his leadership effectiveness and that of his clients. So I will leave you with that. And if you want to, oh, one last thing. If you want to learn how to connect, engage, and influence your audience, and you're ready to take your superhero partner powers to the next decade, join me on my online leadership presence course. And you can check that out at www.carolcoaching.com. Faye, thank you so much. It's been a wonderful conversation. Thank you very much, Amy. Coaching, coaching on the spot is fantastic. Thank you so much. I've really, really enjoyed the opportunity and I shall be tuning into your future episodes and sharing them on the <laughs> ReAdvance uh, website. Oh, and cool. LinkedIn. Thank you. Yeah, thanks a lot. And listeners, thank you for tuning in. You've been listening to Partner Up with Amy Carroll on the Voice America Business Channel. Happy partnering, everyone. Thank you for tuning in to Partner Up with Amy Carroll. 
Join Amy for another edition next Friday at 7 a.m. U.S. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Until we speak again, make it a great week. And remember, make your partner look good.